Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is Episode 9, Part 2, The Economics of Healthcare. This episode explains how a single-payer Medicare for All system would make healthcare affordable and available to everyone. Professor Gerald Friedman joins us again. As mentioned in Part 1, Professor Friedman is a professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. He obtained his Ph.D. in 1986 from Harvard University and has published numerous books, papers, and articles. He has been researching the economics of healthcare for 15 years. In Part 1, we discussed why our healthcare system is not affordable. In Part 2, Professor Friedman explains how Medicare for All would make healthcare affordable, provide more comprehensive coverage, and allow anyone to get the medical care they need without having to worry about cost. And now, The Economics of Healthcare, Part 2. We ended Part 1 with the quote by Professor Friedman about our current healthcare system. We're all paying in all these different ways, and the more you look at it, the more different ways you see that we're paying for this overpriced, inefficient healthcare system that's threatening to bankrupt the whole country. I continue the conversation by asking, what would Medicare for all cost? Well, if we take the $3.5 trillion that we spend now, now if you compare our spending to what other countries are spending, other countries covering population like the United States, if we spent the way Canada spends, we wouldn't be spending $3.5 trillion we'd be spending something closer to $2 trillion. That's quite a difference. Well, maybe $2.5 trillion. And there are various places we can identify where we're spending extra money. So we're spending about $200 billion more on administering the billing system within provider offices, hospitals, etc. We spend about $260 billion administering the health insurance system. We spend more than we would be spending with a Medicare for All system. We also are overpaying many hospitals and drug companies, especially the drug companies. If we bought drugs at Canadian prices, we would save over $300 billion, and we'd save another $300 billion if we are paid hospitals at something like what Medicare pays instead of the private health insurance rate. Altogether, we would save close to a trillion dollars if we had a system more like Canada's. Now, to be sure, if we did this, if we moved to Medicare for All, then you'd have to assume that people are going to start using more health care than they're using now, because we have these carries to access that have been created to discourage utilization. So you have to put in a few hundred billion dollars for extra utilization, and doctors would have more time. Doctors now spend 10% or more of their time talking to insurance companies and filling out paperwork for the insurance industry. So if they're not doing that, then they'd have time to see more patients. So altogether, if we now spend $3.5 trillion on health care with improved Medicare for all, 
we would be spending $2.8 trillion, a savings of about $700 billion. And with that savings, we would still be spending close to $400 billion more on patient care. You know, the current system, we spend $3.5 trillion on health care, but we're only spending $2 trillion on patient care. All the rest, the $1.5 trillion, is going to administration or overpricing of drugs in certain hospitals. We do away with that $1.5 trillion. We throw in a few hundred billion dollars for more patient care. People are getting more care, and as a country, we're saving $700 billion. What's more, over time, the savings will increase. Because remember, we've had excess medical cost inflation of over 1% a year, which adds up over time. And that's why we're spending so much more than Canada now, because 40 years of this increasing inflation, if we put in a system that controls pricing, that doesn't allow the drug companies to mark up prices, that doesn't allow, well, in Massachusetts, Partners Healthcare System, which is the Harvard Teaching Hospitals. They charge like four, five times as much for the same procedures as everybody else. We bring that down a little, and we'd save money immediately, but also if we control this increasing inflation that's been happening in drugs, hospitals, uh, then over time our savings will grow. I project that a system like what Senator Sanders has proposed would save something on the order of $10 trillion over the next decade, $600 billion, $700 billion in the first year, and rising savings over time. Now, that is a much more generous system, by the way, than other countries have. I think it would be great. No co-pays, no deductibles. Everybody goes to the doctor when they need to. That would be a really good thing. But we could have some cost sharing and the savings would be even greater. But those savings would, of course, be on the backs of the sick and the needy. So it would be better if we didn't do it like that. But every other country in the world does have some forms of co-pays and cost sharing. That's an area, as we move forward, we'd have a serious discussion of how we want to handle that. But the basic bottom line is Medicare for All. Improved Medicare for All would provide better health care for everybody while saving very significantly over time and keeping health care costs to something close to the rate of growth in the economy as a whole. So it would be sustainable. It would be sustainable socially because it would save lives, and it would be sustainable because doctors would be free to practice medicine instead of serving as adjuncts to the health insurance industry. What critics would say is, oh, but your taxes are going to go up. So we do Medicare for all, taxes go up, but would the average person save money and how much? Would it increase disposable income? Well, it would increase disposable income if we did it immediately. If we put in the system now, as a country, we would save $700 billion. Apart from people being healthier and able to go to the doctor spending more on actual medical care, we'd save $700 billion, which is $2,000 per person. A family of four would save close to $8,000, which is about the $7,000 that I said the average American worker is losing. They would get that back. You know, if the economy as a whole is saving money, then that means that people are going to be saving money. In fact, the average person would save more than that because the way we fund private health insurance now is as a lump sum payment. 
everybody pays the same premium. I pay the same premium as the department secretary, and she pays the same premium as the university chancellor. It happens that the university chancellor earns five times what I make and 20 times as much as the department secretary. But we all pay the same, and we all pay the same copay, and we all have the same deductible. So shifting from that fixed payment system to one where we're all paying according to our income, through a payroll tax or an income tax, whatever, will mean particularly large savings to the average working person, while a few people at the top of the income pyramid will be a little worse off. But to be sure, they can generally afford it. My estimates are that the average household making $40,000 would save about This is just one particular tax plan. The average household making $40,000 would save about $7,000, which is a lot of money on an income of $40,000. The average household making $150,000 would still be saving money. They'd still save like $6,000. You'd have to go up to about $400,000 in income before people's taxes would exceed what they are now spending for health care. So at $400,000 and above, people will be worse off financially. I don't mean to dismiss people making $400,000, but look at it this way. At the University of Massachusetts, where there are about close to 10,000 people earning a salary, only one makes more than (laughs) $400,000. The chancellor. All the other faculty earn less than that. Actually, I take that back. The basketball coach and the football coach probably earn over $400,000. Those three people would be worse off. Everybody else would be better off. And that's kind of the way it would be nationally. People would be better off because as a country, we'd be saving money and people would be extra better off, most people, because we'd be shifting the cost over to income-related payments rather than fixed fees. The taxes thing is a real red herring because, okay, my taxes to the public sector, to the government will go up. But at the same time, Right now, I'm paying money out of two pockets. I'm paying my public taxes in one pocket, and I'm paying my private taxes to the insurance company and to the doctors and the co-pays and the hospitals and all that. Those private taxes would go away with Medicare for All, and they are just as real for most people. They are much more real and much more significant than the increase in public taxes they'll be paying. I'll pay a little more out of my left pocket, but I'll be saving a lot more out of my right pocket. So we need to rethink this. The taxes issue is misunderstood when we just talk about government taxes. What I pay in premiums, what I'm forced to pay for my health care is just as much an imposition on me as anything the federal government is doing. I agree with that. But the other thing I assume businesses would be paying taxes. Do you have an estimate how much businesses would save if we went to Medicare for all? I mean, they'd pay more in taxes, but they'd save a lot, again, on the premiums. Yeah, well, actually, it depends on the plan we have. The plan that I put out with Richard Master, there's no increase intended in corporate profit tax or any of those taxes. Businesses right now pay maybe 13% of payroll in premiums. And that will go down a lot. But, you know, ultimately, businesses aren't the ones paying that. The premiums that businesses pay, those come out of your salary. 
So I'm counting all that towards what the workers pay now. Businesses pay corporate profit taxes. Business owners pay capital gains taxes. And at least in the plan that Richard Master is putting out, those won't be changing. Well, we do have a small increase in the capital gains tax. Most businesses would see immediate benefit because they would be able to pay more in wages instead of paying that money in health insurance. So businesses will have happier workers, and businesses will like that. But the bottom line for businesses will be a wash. Businesses will be saving money because right now businesses spend maybe $50 billion a year on consultants and advisors and payroll people to keep track of health insurance and to negotiate health insurance. And they're not going to have to be paying any of that money. So businesses will be saving that money and they'll be able to pay their workers more, which will be a benefit to business. And if you have happier workers, if you're able to give your workers a raise, Instead of having to go to them every year and say, look, sorry, can't give you anything because we have to pay it all in health insurance. If you have happier workers, you have more productive workers, you're able to compete better. And taking the burden of thinking about health insurance off of business, I think, is actually a major economic benefit. I have friends who run small businesses around Amherst, and my father ran a business, my brother ran it. And having to negotiate with health insurance, knowing that every year it's going to go up by some amount, it's anxiety-provoking, and then having to go back to your workers and say, sorry, we've got a worse health insurance plan this year, and it's going to cost more, and we're going to ask more from you. Businesses hate that. It's a major emotional and psychic burden on business having to deal with health insurance. So we'll take that off their shoulders. They don't have to worry about that. They can just concentrate on running their business, making coffee. That was my father's business, making sandwiches. A friend of mine runs a deli in Amherst. They'll just be able to concentrate on that. And I think they'll be more productive. Their businesses will be more productive and they'll make more money. Good for them. And we'll have better products. And we'll have more money too. Before we end, is there anything that you would like to add? Yes, just to reaffirm the bottom line that if we can pay for the current inefficient, inequitable, deadly healthcare system, if we can pay for that, then surely we can pay for something that will be cheaper and provide better health care. And that's really the bottom line. To anybody who says, oh, Medicare for all is too expensive, we can't even consider it. And no, no, if we can pay for the current system, we can pay for something that's cheaper. And that's really the answer to all those criticisms. Jerry, thank you so much for being on Medicare for All Explained. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Information about this podcast can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.